0: to our time of scripture reading, which comes from Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 25 through 34. This is in the ESV. There, are, there should be ESV Bibles under your pews. Um, and if you want to look up the scripture on your own, if you have your own Bible or Bible app, you can do that as well. And once you're ready to read the scripture, um, and this is, is especially you know, true for those who are here in person, but also, if you're comfortable doing this at home, it's up to you. Uh, but if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word. Again, it's Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, uh, we have been talking uh, this semester about what it means to go deep in Christ and how to get the word of God to go deep into our lives. And uh, we've been talking about these things that uh, have been maybe preventing the Holy Spirit, uh, the presence of Jesus to go deep into our lives And, you know, sometimes we have worries and we have all these different things that are distracting us and just all the the modern trappings of life that sometimes get in the way. And, you know, I wanted to really focus on, you know, where we are going with this and and specifically hone in on what Jesus's central message is. I actually preached a message a few weeks uh, before school started uh, about the kingdom of God, and and I actually talked about it there. I think it's from, I want to say, uh, August 20th, so if you want to hear more in detail about that, you can definitely go to that that message and just, uh, you know, kind of a plug. (laughs) All of our messages, they're on the YouTube. Uh, They're also on podcast. And so if you ever want to go and and hear a message, you know, maybe one you've heard before, maybe one that that you were on break or something and you weren't able to hear. Uh, But yeah, we talked about this. And, and, uh, you know, that sermon was on this passage, Mark 1, 14 through 15, which is very interesting because I think a lot of, think we know what Jesus's central message is. But I wonder if the modern way we have packaged the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is not actually what Jesus's central message was. At least if you go through the entirety of the Bible and the entirety of the gospels instead of just cherry picking certain passages. And so this is at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry and this is what it says. Now after Jesus was, John was arrested, excuse me, Jesus came into Galilee Proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news, in the gospel. And so, friends, you know, we were trying to say that this is Jesus's central message. And it is not just about, um, you know, Jesus forgives your sins, right? That's a part of it right? That if you believe in Jesus, that you'll get to be with God forever when you die. That's a part of it. But if you look at, um, you know, I I did this in that that message in August, but I just did like a word study. This is from the four gospels from uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I just, you know, looked up certain words. And the word grace appears in three verses in the, the gospels. And it's all in John. It's, it appears way more in Paul's letters, right? But in the Gospels, it only appears in the Gospel of John. The word love, which is a much more general word, right? Because it could be talking about, like, loving money, right? It could just be, you know, you, you love your mother or your father, right? It's a very general word. It appears 76, in 76 verses in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Faith 60 times, but kingdom 120 times, right? In 120 verses. And so you got to wonder, if we don't understand what this means, the kingdom of God, and why Jesus keeps talking about it, you, you gotta wonder, are we missing Jesus' central message? And I wonder, as sometimes when we read the Gospels and it doesn't make sense to us, right? And we're reading something and we're like, this doesn't fit into the package that we've been given. You know, oftentimes in the modern evangelical world, especially, this very packaged gospel, and some of the parables don't make any sense, you know? But a lot of the parables start out like this The kingdom of God is like a man going to sow his seed, right? A man going to going on a trip, right? And so Jesus is trying to teach us about this kingdom, but we're, we're reminded this message is the kingdom of God is at hand. That's not what I was told when I was a kid, or at least not what I heard. I heard the kingdom of God is coming. It's coming after you die, or it's coming when Jesus returns, right? But the idea is that the kingdom... In other words, Jesus reigning, right? That's what it's about. It's not just talking about heaven after you die. But what would your life look like if Jesus were the king of your life? If Jesus were the king of this world, what would this world look like? And a lot of times people get really, really twisted about that. But we need to understand something. We have been talking this whole time about getting the word of God into you. And we talked about this at the beginning of the school year. We talked about the idea that the word of God is not the entirety of the Bible. I'm sorry to say, at least the way that we understand it in the New Testament, it is Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. And Jesus is the totality of the story. But oftentimes we cherry pick passages that fit our agenda. Instead of looking at the totality of Jesus, His message, his life. And so Jesus' central message, it is epitomized in Jesus himself. He is the message, right? So what does it mean? The kingdom of God is at hand. It's not far off. It's not ethereal. It's not difficult to understand. He wanted it to be understandable. What makes Jesus so different than any prophet that we've ever heard is that Jesus is the Son of God. Right, made flesh right here for us. It's not a message that's just in your mind. It's a message you can touch, that you can see. You can actually see what it looks like. Like Jesus's life is God fully reigning. What would a human look like if God was fully reigning? You, you just had God as king over your life, over your mind, over your heart, over your nervous system. How would you act in this world? Right? This is what we see in Jesus. He is the message, right? And we miss that if we don't understand that Jesus' central message is, I want to bring that here, right? Now, again, sometimes people use this for their purposes, okay? Well, if God is going to reign, then we need to change the laws or, you know, we need to have a certain kind of justice or we we need, you know, America to look like a Christian country or whatever. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that what Jesus did? Did Jesus try to overthrow the Roman government? No. Did he try to change the laws of Rome? No. What he tried to do was to live as if God was king, right? He lived with the spirit of God and he lived out of that. And it was different, right? I mean, he wasn't vindictive. He wasn't jealous. He wasn't greedy, right? He wasn't rageful. He was loving and gracious and merciful. And he lived with peace and love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self control, just overflowing from his life. And this is what Jesus is offering to us. This is what it means when we say the kingdom of God has arrived. That's actually what it says in the Greek. But if you just want to take it for what it says, the kingdom of God is at hand. What are we saying? Where's my hand? My hand is right here, right? Where's the kingdom of God? It's right here, guys. It's right here. You can have it. That's what Jesus is trying to say. Right? And it would go to all of these people that were taught their whole lives that you had to climb the ladder up to God. That you had to follow all of these laws elaborately and follow them perfectly. And if you failed in a single one, that somehow you fell short of God's standard. And Jesus came and he fulfilled that law. Right? And, and so in many ways, he says, now the way to God is open. That's what he means by saying the kingdom of God is it's at hand. It's available, right, to ordinary people. You don't need to be a religious superstar. You don't have to get it all right, right? But you have to be open to it. And so, friends, I, I want to understand, and maybe for some of you, you've heard these messages before, but the question that I have is, are you experiencing it? Because I think that's why Jesus came to earth, right? He came so that we could see him, we could hear him, we could touch him, we we could see his example, right? He came so that we could experience the kingdom, right? I mean, we have all the prophets, we have Moses, we have all these people who came before. We have lots of words, right? We have lots of things that we can read and study, right? But Jesus is different because Jesus could be experienced. And when you hear Jesus talk about the kingdom, I want to point this out to you, but it is an experience unlike any other, and it will change your life. I hope you know that, but it'll change your nervous system, (laughs) your fight or flight response, It'll change your sense of peace and well being. It'll change your inner reservoirs of of love and joy and all of these things. That's what we want. We don't want the kingdom just in your head. Theoretically, you're like, oh, okay, that sounds good. I understand what that means. Who cares? Literally, who cares? Like, like, why are we so obsessed about just studying or, like, like, thinking that we know the kingdom or we hear a message and, you know, I, I know I preach about this a lot, but the question I have and the reason why I keep preaching it is because I haven't fully experienced it, right? And so in some ways, like, to say, like, okay, I've heard this before, but are you living it? Is it a reality for you, right? And if it's not, do you want it? Well, that's a question that I think we're going to have to ask ourselves. And I hope you ask yourself. I'm being honest, friends. If you don't want it, I can't make you, right? But, and, and this is why Jesus doesn't just come and say like, all right, you, kingdom of heaven, here we go. You, you just get in, right? He doesn't do that. He offers. I'm knocking. I'm knocking at the door. You don't have to let me in, but you can let me in, right? Do you want it? Do you want it? Do you have ears to hear? right? And so let, let's, let's see what it looks like to experience the kingdom. Um, and, and by the way, it, you know, we mentioned this last week, right? That the, the prayer of Jesus, it, it even says it, our father in heaven, holy be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And this idea that God has come to provide for everything, like even our daily bread, we don't need to worry about that. If God is ruling, not just from the heavens, right? From some seat, you know, somewhere that we don't understand, you know, in the clouds or whatever, right? But He has come to reign here on earth, on earth as, as it is in heaven, right? That's what we're praying for. That's what we want. And so, Let's see what this looks like. Now, I want to do something that, um, you know, I want to rewind a little bit. Because if you notice that the beginning of the passage that we read, it says, therefore, I tell you. And whenever you see a therefore, you have to ask yourself the question. What is therefore there for? I'm not the first person. Preacher to ever say that? I heard that from another pastor and I stole it, right? It's a good question, right? There's a context. And so I want to back up a little bit. And and, and, and I want you to understand what we are talking about here uh, because it seems like a different teaching, but it's really part of the same teaching. We're going to talk about treasure. We're going to talk about money, right? And so it says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also so again this idea that we are living for certain things but a lot of us are living for things just here on earth right and and Jesus tells us those things won't last Right? So let's continue. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And so what Jesus is talking about here is the importance of vision. What are you looking at? What are you paying attention to? And a lot of us, we have these things on earth that are really shiny, that take our attention. Right, A lot of things that You know, I'm not saying they're necessarily bad, but Jesus is saying they're inferior, right? He's not saying they're bad. He's saying they don't last. And they're not nearly as good as the things that he has for you. The heavenly things, the things that are eternal. But a lot of us, our eyes are on these things. Our eyes are on, you know, getting a good job, making lots of money right? These kinds of things, which again, are they bad necessarily? No, they're just not as good as the thing that is better. But Jesus is saying the eye is the lamp of your body. So if your eyes are bad, right? Then, and, and if your eyes are light, then there's going to be light within you. But if your eyes are darkness, there's going to be darkness within you, right? And so what are you focused on? And then he goes on to say, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, some of you might know this. It doesn't say money in the Bible. It says a word that only Jesus uses in Greek. It's very interesting. It's actually the word for a Syrian god, and his name is Memon, right? And so... Uh, Mammon, uh, this is an artist's depiction from, uh, I think, the early 1900s of someone worshiping Mammon. And this Syrian god was the god of riches and wealth. Why would you worship the god of riches and wealth? Why? Because you think that's going to make your life better, right? Imagine that there was a god that could give you all the riches and all the wealth that you ever want. Would you want that? Would you want to worship that God? Right? If that God was just like, you know, hey, if you worship me, I'll give you all the money you want. You can live whatever life you want. Right? You want $10 million? Done. $10 million is not enough for you? What about 50? What about 100? What about a billion? Is that enough for you? Who would worship that God? Friends, I'm going to say something that I don't think is too controversial. I think in America, we already are. I think that it's very clear. Challenge me on this. This is America's God. Not some Syrian deity, but the idea that if you had enough money, your life would be what you want it to be. Is it true? Do you believe me? Is that what we are all living for? This idea that if I could just push a button and get all the money that I think I need or want, I could have the life, the life, the life that I want, the life of my dreams. Everything would be good. I'd be safe. I'd be happy. Yes or no? So friends, let's go back, right? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon. You can't. That's what Jesus is saying. Because what are we talking about? We're talking about kingdoms, y'all. We're talking about kings. We're talking about gods. Who is your God? Who is your king? Who is your master? Who are you going to serve? Is the one who is reigning over your life. Is it the desire for money and what you think money can give you? Or is it God? Because Jesus is really clear. It cannot be both. And so, friends, I think what we are talking about here is this idea of what you are looking at, what you are seeking, what your heart is set on, what you think is going to give you the most security, the best life, Right? And, and I got to say, I, 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 I want to push this point a little bit, because I think what modern American Christianity has done is we have fooled ourselves into thinking you can have both. And Jesus is really clear. He's like, you can't. You can't serve both. Now, is he saying you can't have money? No. He's saying you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve the idea that money Is going to make you happy, that money is going to make you secure, that money is going to give you everything that you want. You can't. And expect to serve God too. But we try it all the time, right? I think even for most Christians, if I'm just if I could be so bold to be honest with you, I think most of us we serve mammon first. We serve money first. We serve our comfort first. We serve the idea that we can have whatever we want if we just make enough money, if we climb that totem pole high enough. That's God number one. And then the other God, we just kind of fit into our lives wherever that God will fit. Am I being too bold? Right. If it's not true for you, then great. Praise God. But I think for most people in America, I think it's very clear who God A is, right? What the most important thing is, right? And this is the thing. It's not because God hates you (laughs) that he doesn't want you to serve money. It's actually because he loves you, right? Remember what he said when we went back and we were talking about the sower and the seed. This has been our overarching parable. Do you remember that we were talking about what's choking out the actual spiritual growth in your life, right? We talked about like the idea of rocks and, and this rocky soil, right? That the roots aren't developing and, and it's not developing so in time of trial we fall away. And then there's the other one, it's the thorns. Do you guys remember what the thorns are? And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruits does not mature. Why does Jesus say that you can't serve God and mammon? Because one is choking out the other, right? It's not just neutral. That's what we've convinced ourselves. Oh, I can serve God. I can serve money. No big deal. If I serve money and God, you know what? I can do both equally well not according to Jesus. He's saying there's something about the money and the riches and the desire for that and and, and what they are doing in our lives, it's like thorns, right? There's something that's trying to be born in your life, right? It's trying to grow and a thorn comes and it's piercing it, it's choking it, right? They're incompatible. Why are they incompatible? I think Jesus will make that clear. Now we get to the therefore, friends. Now we get to the passage. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look, look, look. Remember what we were saying about vision, right? How your vision needs to be good. What are we looking at? He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? So what are we looking at? Jesus is telling us to look at the way that birds live, right? I mean, birds, they, they just fly. They, they seem pretty carefree, Right? They're not worried or anxious. And so if you look at the way we live, I mean, it's so different than the way we live, right? Anxiety is an epidemic. They say that, um, you know, something like almost close to like 40% of people will have a diagnosable anxiety disorder within their lifetime. That's almost half. I mean, that is ridiculous, friends, right? Like, like we have this fear, this fear of the unknown. That's what anxiety is. It's an unlocalized fear. right? If I had a lion in this room and a lion were about to eat me, that would just be fear. But if I'm like, "What if a lion comes in the room, that's anxiety. right? What if? What if?! Ah, 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 what if I lose all of my money? What if no one ever loves me? What, what, what if I'm never good enough? It's this unlocalized fear. And you can have all the stuff you want, all the money, all of the materials, and we'll never make that go away. Never, ever, ever. America has never been richer. You guys know that, right? We have never been better off. We have never had more money. And we have more anxiety than we ever had before. Could it be that Jesus was right? Mammon? Mammon? And the desire for these things, it's a thorn, right? And these thorns are choking out life. Some of you have had uh, anxiety attacks. I suffer from anxiety attacks from time to time. And it feels like I can't breathe. It feels like I'm being choked. Whoa, whoa. It's so interesting, right? Why don't we believe Jesus? Why don't we believe Jesus? We ignore that, right? We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, he'll forgive you. You'll get to live with him forever. He's telling you the way we're living, it's choking you, right? It's not neutral, friends. There is a different way to live, a life where you will not be anxious, where you don't have to worry anymore, Because this is the thing. If you put your hope in material things and material things don't last, then that hope cannot last. I'll say that again. If you put your hope in material things and material things don't last, then that hope can't last. Can I get an amen? Right? Isn't that true? It's so true. Everything that you put your hope in, if it is something that is temporary, then that hope itself is temporary. That's why you can never have enough money because it can be gone tomorrow right? That's why you can never trust in health, because it can be gone in an instant. We all know that. And your mind knows that. Your nervous system knows that. And your nervous system is always telling you there's a threat. There's a threat. We don't know what it is. But we have put all our hope in things that can never make those fears go away. And we wonder, we wonder why the fears are still there. Because it can never, ever dispel them, right? And so which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? The actual Greek word is cubit. It's this unit of measurement, right? Can you add a yard to your life? If you have a span of life by worrying, mm, uh, I'm so worried, uh, oh, my life got longer, right? Jesus is like, it's absurd. Of course, it's not going to get longer. It's going to get shorter, right? Right? And that's the way we're living. We're living in the realm of anxiety and we're feeing our anxiety because all of the things we're hoping in are just temporary. Can never, ever fix it. Right? And so Jesus goes on right? And this is for our good. He wants us to have flourishing life. He says, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Friends, I think sometimes we think like, okay, Pastor Steve, I know what you're saying. You know, I'm not gonna starve, right, if I trust in God. I know God is gonna provide for me, right? Like the birds, but Jesus does one better. He says, look at the flowers. Look at the grass. Look how beautiful the flowers are, right? That, that even Solomon, with all of his riches, this is why he picked Solomon. Solomon has the most money, right? He's like the richest king who ever lived. He's the symbol for the pinnacle of wealth and prosperity. And he's like, you think Solomon ever looked that good? You think Solomon was ever that beautiful and gorgeous and radiant, right? Did you know that God wants to bring beauty into your life? God invented beauty, right? You think God wants to just make your life boring? That's what we've been told. We think a holy life, a life with God, a life in the kingdom is going to be boring. We think we're going to be monks. We have to shave our heads, right? And we have to just eat porridge and you know, water and just plain bread, and that's all we get. But meanwhile, the pagans are out there like, ha, 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 they're living it up, and they're eating the best food, and they have beautiful clothes, and they have all this stuff. Jesus is like, you're going to have beauty in your life. You're going to have more beauty than, than even Solomon. I'm going to bring good things to your life. It's not just you're going to survive, you're going to thrive. It's going to be much better, right? Did you know that God wants to bring joy into your life? Satan has convinced us that God is a joy killer. If you follow Jesus, okay, it might be good, but it's going to be boring, right? If you follow Jesus, it's going to be so not fun. That's what we've been told. It's a lie straight from hell. It's a lie straight from hell, right? Man, I, I've been telling people that sometimes when I'm down, I, I just watch The Chosen. Have you guys heard of this show? I, I think all three seasons now are on Amazon Prime, so you can watch it for free if you have an Amazon Prime. Uh, and it's about the followers of Jesus, with Jesus. And there's this one time, there's this one time after Jesus raises a little girl from the dead, And there's a woman who has been um, suffering from bleeding her entire life. She touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and she is healed. And for the first time in her life, she can go and, and she hops in the water, right, in this kind of public sea because she couldn't before because of her bleeding. And she's there just waiting in the water, just having a good time, and then Jesus and his disciples come running into the water with her. And they just start splashing in the water. And when the disciples go in and they're like having fun, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, this is creative license. And then, and then, and then Jesus comes. I'm like, whoa, Jesus going to jump in the water and play with them? And he does. Is that your Jesus? A Jesus who can come and play with you? <laughs> A Jesus who wants to frolic with you and have fun with you? The Jesus who wants to give you joy? Because that hasn't been the Jesus that I was told about. But Jesus was so serious, right? I mean, Jesus says, I want to give you beauty. I want to give you good things, right? And it says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and thrown, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Little trust. We don't trust in this God. We don't trust God to give us good things. We don't trust God to give us beauty, to give us fun and enjoyment, so we try to get it on our own, outside of God, right? But I wonder if God wants to join your fun, right? If you can make God a part of your fun, if you could make God the center of your fun. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So this idea, friends, that God knows what you need. He knows that you need money. He knows that you need clothes. He knows you need a job. He knows that you need companionship. He knows that you you, you desire beauty and joy, and these are things that are pretty essential to a thriving life. He knows all of that. But if you seek God's kingdom first, if you seek his righteousness, which is really about what does your life look like if it is right, right in Jesus. If God is reigning in you, you have the spirit of Christ within you, what would your life look like? And what Jesus says is that you seek that first, and he will give you everything else too, right? That's not what we think. We think if we do that, we're sacrificing all of the other stuff. We won't have money. We we won't have food, or at least not good food, you know? We won't have any of that stuff. It's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, I'll give you everything you need. Now, will it be poisonous riches? No. If it's going to choke out your life, why would Jesus give you something that's going to poison you? That's why he says, oh, you of little faith, because we don't trust. We don't trust Jesus. We don't trust him for a minute in many cases. Because we're like, "Mm, nah, I'd just rather chase what I want. And this is the question we have to ask. This is a question I ask myself all the time. Is it giving us what we thought it would? Us chasing the life that we want, us serving Mammon, is it giving us the life that we want? Are you happier? Are you more fulfilled? Do you have more life? Are you less anxious? Do you have more joy? Do you have more love in your life? And if the answer is no, then friends, I have to ask the question, what are we doing? When we know that life It is in the hands of Jesus. And if we go to Jesus, we can have this life. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What trouble will you choose? (laughs) Right? I've heard people say this before. You know, there's nothing in life that's gonna be easy, right? I mean, you're gonna have to work. There's going to have to be effort that you expend. When we say, seek first the kingdom of God, let's be honest. It's work. It's a different kind of work, though. Okay? You're always going to have to do work. You're always going to struggle (laughs) in some sense. If I, I can use the word struggle. But what are you going to struggle for? And friends, we've already said, we've already said that there are things that are leading us. Right? You're already being led by your tendencies, by your habits, right? And at the end of the day, many of us, we chase after things that we think are going to make us happy, and they're just automatic, right? What is it going to look like for us to stop seeking those things? Stop letting our tendencies, our habits guide us, that those things are our king, right? so, you know, when you're not feeling good, when you're unhappy, what do you choose to do, right? I know for a lot of us, we're like, oh, I should pray, but we don't, right? We we, we go and we do something. Maybe some of us eat. Maybe some of us go and we do something that's kind of destructive or, you know, we, we go and we shop or, you know, retail therapy or there's all kinds of things that we do. And at the end of the day, we have to say, is it giving us life? And if it's not giving us the fullness of life that Jesus promises, we have to question, is that working out, right? And it's not gonna be easy to learn to untangle that. But I think it would be really worthwhile to learn, right? And so friends, we talked about a couple weeks ago, if you remember, the idea of when an unclean spirit goes out of a person, if you do not Um, if you do not replace it with the Holy Spirit, then more unclean spirits come, right? It just gets worse, right? And in many ways, friends, um, when you are being led by a spirit that is not of Christ, so let's say, I know this sounds uh, maybe a little judgier than I mean it to sound, um, but let's just, you know, be honest, right? You're not doing well. You're anxious, you're worried, you're stressed. You're not at your best. Something is going to lead you. In that moment, you may not be able to do anything about it. You ever get so angry that you just end up like punching a wall or something? And in your head, you're like, I don't want to punch a wall. I don't want to punch a wall. And before you know it, hole in the wall, right? Like, I don't want to yell. I don't want to yell. And before you know it, you yell, right? Like, like I, I don't want to do this. I, I don't want to eat this pint of ice cream. Before you know it, two pints of ice cream are gone, Right? What happens? You are being led by something that you do not have control of, right? Free will, it is a myth. You have given your free will over to these spirits. You have come into agreement with these spirits. And when they are in control, there's very little you can do. Jesus is not your king in that moment. But when, when the spirit is gone, right? Like, like you have a little distance from it. This is when you can choose a different Lord. Now you can let a different spirit in, right? So again, you're super stressed out, you're at your worst and you're doing the bad habits. That's not the time to change your life. This is what we think. We think that we should have enough willpower to stop. You don't, right? You don't because something else is leading you. Does that make sense, right? But in the moments like, like here, we're at church, And maybe some of us, we're not being led by that spirit right now. Now you have a choice. What will you do with your time? How will you schedule your time? Are you willing to start investing in seeking the kingdom of God? Maybe you could do this. Schedule a time to be with the Lord tonight. right? Or schedule a walk where you can just literally do what Jesus suggested we do. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers of the field. And just know that God is caring for all of creation. You're experiencing the kingdom because the kingdom of God is here. it has been here. Jesus is reigning right now. But when we are being led by these other spirits, we don't see it. We're looking at something that we think is going to make things better, and it doesn't. We're looking at wealth. We're looking at the promises that this world is telling us. If we invest our life there, then everything will get better, and we know it's not true, right? And so Jesus is offering you something better to look at. Will you look at me? Will you worship me? Will you pray with me? Will you stay with me? Will you just take a moment to just stand still in the presence of God? Will you just pray? Will you will you listen to a worship song and let those songs sing over you and give you a different vision for what life can be? And I know so many people were like, "Oh man, when I do that, when I worship, just everything gets better. It's so good. When I spend time with the Lord, right? It's so good. It's it's so life giving." The question is, why don't we do that? I think part of the problem is that we aren't building our life on those things. We have already set our life in a direction. And, and, and just to us, we're like, well, it's just non-negotiable, right? Of course I have to study. Of course I have to do all these things, right? But look at what Jesus is saying. You have a choice to make. Which one are you going to serve first, right? And so my suggestion to you and I really think it's Jesus' suggestion, is make the priority building the kingdom in your life. Make the priority. Build around your time with the Lord. Schedule time to praise, right? Instead of making it an afterthought. I know so many people, like, you have the best intentions. You're like, oh, I should pray more. Are you scheduling it? Because I got to tell you, if there's something like really important, let's say tomorrow, If you don't come to this meeting at 11 o'clock, you're going to fail out of school. What are you going to do? You're going to prioritize that. You're going to schedule it. 11 o'clock, I'm going to see the dean. 11 o'clock, I'm going to see my advisor. Because if I don't, I fail out of school. So you circle it. You make sure you go there. It is a priority for you. Right? So we serve that first. What if you did that about your time with the Lord? Eight o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, whenever, when I get home from from work, right? You schedule it and you don't schedule anything over it. You make that the priority. I am going to spend time with the Lord every day. It's not gonna be perfect, friends, right? I I just wanna remind us of our central uh, metaphor. It's growing things, right? And growing things take time. And you're gonna do some of these things. You're gonna spend time with the Lord and sometimes it's gonna feel like nothing's happening. Just like a seed going into the ground and you don't see anything, right? A lot of us, we spend one quiet time with the Lord. We spend one moment in prayer and we're like, where's the fruit? Why don't I feel better? It's because it takes time, friends. You are building a foundation. And by the way, it's not God who serves us. It's the other way around. If God just came at our beck and call and he gave us the blessing whenever we wanted, right, he would, we would be the God, and he would be the one, you know, <laughs> serving us. He would be our genie, right? It's not, that's not how it works. You have to every day just invest that time. You plant those seeds. You water them every day, every day. Let's say 9 o'clock. You go to spend time with the Lord, 20 minutes at a time, 10 minutes at a time, five minutes at a time. You do that every day. You make that the priority, right? You do other things, right? But you set this first in your heart. This is a non-negotiable. I will spend this time with the Lord. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what kind of fruit will come from that. Friends, I just wanna end with this, this thought. This is the promise that we have, is not that it's far off. It's not something really difficult, right? Jesus uh, preached this message to people who were like peasants and to people who are like the poorest of the poor. And some of them were these sinners or these people that like everyone had cast off and they're like, ah, those people will never get their act together. And Jesus was like, oh no, oh no, the kingdom of God is open to you. It is available right now. And that is his message to you right now. If what I'm saying sounds really far-fetched, it's really not. God can give you a life where you don't have any anxiety. That is the promise of the kingdom of God. Where you can experience joy and peace and love and grace just in full measure. You don't have this buzzing in your mind of, uh, ah, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? You will know in your soul that God is your king and he's taking care of you. You can experience it. But this is that question. What are you gonna serve? What is gonna be your priority? This is what I see throughout scripture. I've heard other teachers say this, other pastors say this, and I didn't fully believe them, but I'm coming to believe them. And I really think this is true. You can experience the kingdom now if you seek it and want it more than anything. What I used to think is I could seek it and want it equal to anything, to everything else in my life. It could just be one of many things that I'm seeking. I'm coming to find, that's not true. The things of this world will just crowd out the things of God, right? This is why we don't spend a lot of time with the Lord. Because we place it alongside all these other things. And for being really honest, really, really honest, those other things are the priority for us. Our fun, our leisure time, that's a priority for us more than it is spending time with God. I'm not trying to value judge anyone. I'm just saying that that's, the, the, that's been the experience of my life. And until we're honest about that, we're never going to move beyond past it, right? So you've got to fight. You've got to fight for it. You've got to prioritize it. You've got to say, this Right, And I'm not here to convince you if you are not convinced. But I hope you have lived enough life, you've seen enough to say, I know what happens when I live my life the way I want. When I let these other things lead, it does not give me what the kingdom can give me. And so friends, let's just close this way. Priesting, could you come up? I want to ask you, do you want it? Do you want it more than anything else in your life. Do you want the kingdom? And if you do, can we just take a moment to tell God that? To tell Jesus that? Just make that your prayer, make that your desire. Tell him. Tell him, what do you want? What do you want? By the way, that's Jesus' most uh, common question. Did you know that? Is the most common question Jesus asks in the gospel. What do you want from me? Do you just want more money? Do you want a better grade? Do you want some external circumstance to change in your life, or do you want the kingdom? to be born in your life? Do you want to know that God is in control, that God loves you, that God will never forsake you and you feel that in your nervous system? You have a confidence. You have a peace that is supernatural. When everyone else is panicking, when everyone else is anxious, you're rock solid. You know. You know that God loves you. You have nothing to worry about and you can build your life on that foundation. So tell him, tell him. Let's pray. Let's ask for the kingdom. God, give it to us. Lord, we want the kingdom. Lord, we want to know you more than anything that this world can give, more than any treasure. You are the ultimate treasure. Lord, we need your life, your spirit, your presence, born in our lives, bearing fruit, We need the living water just overflowing in our lives, God. Lord, we know the money, we know the jobs, we know all the life circumstances will take care of themselves as long as one and so god we put you first god we want to seek you god we want to know you god we want you more than anything lord god forgive us for the ways that we have sought after inferior things jesus we want you and nothing else and we know that we can have that now we know that we can have that because the door to the kingdom of heaven is wide open thank you for that thank you for jesus for dying on the cross for us that we can now experience your kingdom, that we can have you ruling and reigning in our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.